All right, back in the Young Turks. Uh, now, don't forget, uh, Wolfpack's doing the movie to get money out of politics and, and the corruption. Uh, help them out at wolf-pack.com slash film. Yesterday, they were at 35,000, now they're over 36,000, but they gotta get to 50,000 uh, in order to get the movie made. All right, uh, let's move on to uh, discussing uh, congressional candidates. Joining me now is Cara Eastman. She's running in Nebraska's second district. Uh, she ran there last time around. Uh, she had a stunning upset uh, of um, a previous uh, Democratic congressperson uh, from that area uh, in the primaries. And then she went on to almost beat the Republican who is the incumbent, barely lost by two points in Nebraska. It was an excellent showing. We're gonna talk a lot more about that as she's running again. Cara, welcome back to the Young Turks. Thanks for having me. It's always great to have you, sister. Um, so, Cara, I, I'm thrilled that you're running again, and and I think that this time you're gonna get Don Bacon. Uh, just real quick, how often does he vote with Trump? 95.7% of the time. Wow, that's almost, uh, Cuero's right behind him, but, uh, but for, for uh, you know, guys uh, in that in that uh, district, you got to realize, okay, if you're, and I know some obviously will be comfortable with someone that votes ninety six percent of the time with Donald Trump, uh, but uh, if you're not, then you shouldn't have him representing you. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna get to that race eventually, uh, Cara, because they didn't believe in you last time. We did, and and you did get to the general election, and you you almost got him. Uh, so. Normally what happens is when a candidate almost wins the election, the Democratic Party then comes in and supports them even more enthusiastically because they think you got them on the ropes. And and you picked up name recognition, that's another reason why they then support candidates running again because you proved without much resources that you could win. And now you have a better chance and Trump's even less popular for all these reasons. And historically, that's how it's been done. The Intercept wrote a great story about it, about how the DNC has done that time and time again, or the DCCC in this case. But it appears that they are not doing that in this case. So I know that puts you in an awkward situation, but I gotta ask you about these things. So there are rumors that they are trying to recruit someone to run against you. In a primary, first of all, do you know if any of those rumors are true? It it seems like those rumors are true. There is somebody who has announced that she's formed an exploratory committee, and that is the person that we were told the DCCC was recruiting. And but the reasons that they're doing that, I really don't know. I think you'd have to ask them. I mean, we've been out working really hard. I mean, I announced that I was running about a month after losing the election by a tiny percentage, and in part because you encouraged me to. And so um, we've been out talking to voters and people are really excited that I'm running again. I was called, texted by so many people who begged me to run again. And so I'm just excited to give it one more shot and and wanna represent the people of this district because we need somebody who's gonna represent everybody. Yeah, eastmanforcongress.com, eastmanforcongress.com. We're not gonna let these corrupt people get away with it. So look, Cara, you know, I, I'm minimizing it by calling it rumors. Intercept has reported on it. Uh, so they have rock solid uh, evidence that the DCCC is actively trying to make sure that you have an opponent. And and by the way, Cara, they're gonna pick a, a woman so they can get Emily's list to spend money against you in the primaries. So that's how this scam is gonna get run. Um, and, and I've seen this movie before. Um, let's talk about the last election uh, because you won in that in what other people considered a stunning primary victory. 
Uh, and it was a great night. I mean, it was one of the best primary nights of the year. And we were so excited. And it showed that progressives being outspent could still win because we actually deliver voters. So the DCCC at that point, it's only a plus four district. It should have been the highest priority. Among the highest priorities in the country, how much did they help you? Um, well, they did put me on the red to blue list, which was great. But then a couple of weeks before the general election, they pulled their support out and told us they decided they didn't need the seat anymore. Um, I, I don't really know the reason behind that. It's a shame because the Republican Party, or Republican groups, outside groups spent about $1.2 million attacking me, attacking me personally, professionally, going after my family even in the election, whereas Democratic groups only spent about 37,000. So think of the discrepancy between those two numbers. And we know that can move the needle. And and while I'm not a big fan of attacking people personally, I don't think that's how politics should be played. I do think going after someone's voting record is really important. So we have an opportunity and an obligation this time to point out how awful Bacon's voting record has been. Yeah, Cara, you know, look, it affects you personally. I don't know how much you want to talk about it and how angry you are behind the scenes, but I'm angry in front of the scenes. And so so I want the audience to be clear. The DCCC did put in $300,000 into the into your campaign in the general election, correct? Um, they put in money for the red to blue program. I don't know exactly how much it ended up being in the end. I'd have to actually talk to my team and figure that piece out. Um, but but they didn't. They definitely didn't support me in the way that uh, they supported other candidates who were actually less viable in other regions. Yeah. So I want people to understand the context. Uh, you might think that that's a lot of money if that's the the correct amount. I picked that uh, number because that's what the Intercept reported. Uh, but in the context of close elections, uh, in in a when we need to pick up seats desperately, uh, that is not a lot of money uh, and. Uh, number one, the DCCC just flat out gave more money to other uh, candidates in Cara's situation. But then number two, the independent expenditures is where the real money comes in. And so that's when Cara says they only spent 37,000, outside Democratic groups only spent $37,000 to counter the 1.2 million that the Republicans put in. Remember, this is not a plus 20 Republican district. It's not hopeless. They don't have any excuses. This is a very winnable race. And and Cara, you came closer than the Democrat before you in the previous cycle. Is that correct? Well, when you look, I mean, so when we look at the numbers before, um, you know, we, I mean, it, we, there's so many numbers to t- talk about. So there's turnout, right? Where we we more than doubled Democratic turnout. I mean, we had close to presidential year turnout in the general election. We doubled Democratic turnout in the primary, and so it's hard to com- to make comparisons. But I think that. You know the performance that we showed, and and the momentum that we created in the district, and and the other things that happened, like passing Medicaid expansion and picking up Democratic seats in our unicameral, our state legislature. But still, I mean, those were amazing things that happened, and and our campaign contributed to that. So I, I would hope that the Democratic Party would be throwing their full support behind me, but at the same time. We know what we're doing. We learned a lot from the last time, and we're relying on outside groups that are our allies to come in and help us out. And the reality is, we're just going to go out and keep talking to voters and knocking on their doors and making sure that they know what I stand for and that I'm going to represent them. And and Just Democrats, of course, is re-endorsed Cara, and she doesn't take any corporate PAC money. Have I mentioned Eastman for Congress.com? <laughs> uh, okay, so Cara. Um, 
First, you gotta talk about your strategy for the primary. It's so uncertain given that the Democratic Party appears to be furiously working against you behind the scenes. Um, but what's your strategy for the uh, for winning the primary this time around? Well, it's interesting because if you actually, you know, when people come to the district, it's such a different story. People are still really excited about um, my candidacy. My yard signs are still up in places. Uh, you know, I have people reaching out to me every day now, wanting to volunteer. We had our kickoff event, and 250 people came to that. I mean, that's a lot for a Nebraska Democrat. Um, so there's a lot of excitement. We're going to keep building on the momentum that we had, build on the name recognition. We have we have a small army of volunteers that are coming out already, and uh, and we've just been been taking everything that we learned, using the data that we collected, and working with groups that are supportive of my candidacy to just get the word out. And and really, our strategy is we've got to get more people voting. I mean, we still have too low of a turnout, especially among young people, especially around people of color. And and I think in the Latino community, we had people who are afraid to go out and vote. In the African American community, community, we had more momentum, but there's still so much more to be gained. So we're just going to go out there, focus, work with groups around the country that are increasing voter turnout, getting more people registered, and and we're just going to win. Yeah, and uh, you know, you ran as a, a full-throated progressive last time around, and my uh, n- not so uh, hidden theory is that the Democratic Party is corrupt. And the reason they're not backing you is because you're not. And so it's getting under their skin that you won't take corporate money. In fact, here, I, I, one of your, uh, apparently one of the folks who uh, supports you, Crystal Rhodes, uh, had the Democratic Party reach out to her. Uh, the, and uh, the DCCC told her, quote, well, we can't win on Medicare for all. Omaha is an insurance town. Do you, how many insurance companies vote in Omaha? <laughs> to my knowledge, companies don't vote. Hmm. And and I think that that's a really interesting point. I mean, we talk about things like, um, you know, Medicare for all or raising the minimum wage. I mean, these are things that resonate really well with people and, and in the district and beyond. And so, you know, I think one of the things I know about Nebraska is sometimes it takes us a minute to get used to ideas, but I think people are excited to have somebody who's going to represent them. The idea of not taking corporate PAC money is new. I'm the first candidate, first congressional candidate in the district not to take corporate PAC money. So there's an educational component to that of explaining to people what that means and pointing out that the NRA supports Don Bacon and then lo and behold, his policies go against common sense gun safety. So I think helping people make those connections is really important. And that's where we need people from all over the country to be drawing those connections for people so that everybody starts to understand that there's somebody running here who's actually gonna represent them. And Cara, last thing, of the different progressive things that you run on, what do you think is resonating most in your district? Um, we, the things we heard at the door the most in our in our 200,000 doors that we knocked, healthcare was number one, student debt was was up there. And then people talked a lot about, about gun safety, especially school safety for their kids. I mean, I remember my daughter coming to me who was in high school at the time saying she was afraid to go to school after some shootings. And we, I hadn't heard that before. And I had a lot of parents saying the same thing that they don't want to be afraid. We have our big music festival, Maha, coming up this weekend, and I hear people saying they're afraid to go with their kids, and that's a that's ridiculous. And we need representatives to actually move forward on this and do something about it. All right, um, EastmanForCongress.com. If you want to volunteer, EastmanForCongress.com/slash/volunteer. 
makes all the difference. And obviously, since Kara is not taking corporate PAC money, and it doesn't look like the Democratic Party is gonna ride to the rescue, you gotta donate to her. That's the only way progressives can win. You are the cavalry. So Kara Eastman, thank you for joining us again, and thank you for running again. Thank you for having me again, I'm so grateful. All right, much love. All right, uh, oh my God, you're biased, God damn right I am. Uh, go donate to Kara Eastman. Um, okay, so when we come back, uh, a New York Times story about activists going onto a pig farm and the horrors that they discovered and what could be done about it. We'll talk about it when we come back. All right, back on the Young Turks. Joining me now is Andrew Jacobs. He is a reporter for the New York Times. Some reporters embed with the military. He embedded with animal rights activists and witnessed a pig kidnapping. This story does have a twist and a serious turn to it. But Andrew, welcome to the Young Turks. Thanks for having me. No problem. Why get in with the pig kidnappers? Well, we're doing a series of stories at the Times about antibiotic resistance. Uh, and the role that livestock play in that problem. Uh, so we really wanted to see what is happening on farms. And in the US, it's almost impossible to get onto a farm, uh, a livestock farm. There is <clears throat> very intense secrecy regulations uh, that don't allow even federal agriculture inspectors onto these farms. So this was an opportunity for us to kind of have um, an inside look uh, at a farm albeit through an unorthodox method. So Andrew, I wanna get to the farm and kidnapping of Lori and all those fascinating parts of the story. But first, antibiotics. So is there a danger that we're overusing antibiotics? How are you guys, what have you learned in your coverage of it so far? Well, absolutely. Right now, thousands of people in this country are dying a year because antibiotics that have worked for a century are no longer working. Uh, they've been overused by people, uh, by farmers, and also agriculture. Uh, so it's a huge problem, and uh, it, there's expected if we don't come up with new antibiotics, which is not happening at the moment, millions of people are going to be dying in the in the next uh, few decades from co- very simple common infections that right now we've been able to treat with antibiotics. So this is a, a huge looming problem, and most people aren't focused on. Uh, so we are trying to bring a little attention to this problem. All right, that makes sense. And then you said that it's very hard to get information about farms. Our audience is incredibly well educated, that's a fact. We looked at the demos. But nonetheless, not everybody out there might know about the ag gag laws. So, and they are shocking for people who don't know about them. What are they? So, in about a half dozen states, it's actually a crime to be a whistleblower for media or a farm worker to go out and expose abuses, animal abuses on farms is a criminal, is criminalized. And although these laws are being sort of challenged in court and overturned, that's one sort of challenge. The other is the power of the pork industry. And they have have such great influence on the US government that the Department of Agriculture has no idea what is happening on farms in terms of antibiotic use. There is no data being collected from farms. We don't know anything about resistance. All we do has one figure that comes every year about how many antibiotics are sold to US farms for raising livestock. So the secrecy surrounding 
this industry is, is, is a really big problem. Um, and as more and more people get sick from these resistant infections, a lot of scientists say there should be more access. There should be, we should be able to study uh, these resistant uh, bacteria that are flourishing on, on these factory farms. Because frankly, the way many animals are raised, especially pigs and chickens and, um, and lesser extent cows, is they're packed in these, in these sheds and they don't go outside. Uh, they, and when one gets sick, they, they spreads like wildfire. And so you have the, you know, you have, in order to keep these animals healthy, uh, farms liberally give out antibiotics to prevent them from getting sick. And this is what critics say is the problem. They say that if there was more sort of uh, uh, human, you know, sort of humane ways of raising pigs, perhaps there wouldn't be as strong a use or demand uh, for these antibiotics. So. I don't, people didn't hear that wrong. Uh, you're not allowed to report on uh, and take pictures of videos of uh, of farms in in those six states. That's the Correct. most unconstitutional thing I have ever heard. It is well, really they, are, they are being overturned, um, and uh, you know it's case by case. But in North Carolina, for example, has uh, you know more than one law. Uh, that criminalizes this kind of behavior, um, you know, considers it a felony to steal a pig, uh, or in, in this case, they, uh, animal rights uh, activists would say they're rescuing pigs. Um, so, yeah, it, there's definitely constitutional issues, um, and it seems that the courts are responding uh, to that issue um, and overturning those laws. Yeah, and look, I want to be clear: there's a difference between stealing slash rescuing a pig and and taking pictures of a farm uh, or reporting on a farm, etc., and or taking video of a farm. And so, I mean, it's already mental that they say abusing animals is not a crime. Reporting on abusing animals is a crime. Uh, and and but I'm sure Andrew, in your reporting, you found out the Republicans are outraged by this because they're huge free speech advocates, especially on college campuses. I mean, that's what I hear from Ben Shapiro and Bill Maher all the time. So the Republicans are probably livid about these unconstitutional attacks against free speech, right? Um, I would I would venture to say that the, these laws are uh, dominate in Republican uh, led legislatures. Huh. Um, I think for the most part, uh, they are, yeah, I would say um, yeah. almost all of them. Uh, and okay. agricultural states, of course. Right, I'm playing. It's the Republican legislators that pass them. They don't give a damn about freedom of speech. That's my opinion and also a fact. Okay, now, Andrew, back to you. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what did they find when they raided the farm? Uh, they found a lot of uh, visibly sick pigs. Um, they found conditions that, um, well, here's the thing. Uh, Smithfield uh, Foods, which is the largest pork producer in the country, had vowed to out uh, to phase out gestation crates, which are these basically cages uh, where uh, sows are kept while they are nursing, and they are not allowed to. They, they don't. It doesn't permit the pig to get up and move around, um, and it's it's been widely recognized as inhumane. Uh, and Smithfield Food has said they they had they phased these crates out. Uh, so the activists uh, found gestation crates. Uh, they found a lot of antibiotics. They found rooms and uh, refrigerators full of antibiotics, uh, many of them human-grade antibiotics. And they found a lot of sick pigs, including uh, piglets. Um, 
including uh, uh, piglets with telltale signs of greasy pig, which is a uh, staph infection that uh, pigs get on their skin and it can lead to open wounds. Uh, and often uh, those pigs will be killed eventually uh, once it's seen that they have the, these telltale signs of these, uh, this disease. So um, they saw a lot of that. They saw sick and dying piglets. And they made a decision to, to basically take one of these pigs that had um, this uh, skin infection and bring it out and bring it to a, a vet and see exactly what was going on. So um, in order to find out if they were actually uh, following the regulations on antibiotic use and, and the recommendations on it, you would have to do spot checks every once in a while, right? Uh, so are, are spot checks allowed on these farms? Or are they just like these black holes where we're, no one is ever allowed to go, basically? They are, they are essentially black holes. Um, there was an outbreak in Washington State a few years ago of, of E. coli um, that was very deadly. And um, Washington State wanted to go and onto the farms and, and try to trace which farms they came from and try to understand how this, this pathogen became so drug resistant. They were not allowed. Um, and hundreds of people got sick from that outbreak. So it's, it's very frustrating for researchers who are trying to understand sort of the epidemiology of, of these bugs and how they're mutating uh, in the face of all these antibiotics and making people sick. Well, uh, Donald Trump promised to clean up the swamp. So I'm sure that he's now uh, checking around the clock to make sure that these people aren't cheating and, and that the American people aren't getting sick because he alone could protect us, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Okay, of course not. Uh, oh, every one of these regulations has been loosened if they existed in the first place. And even the regulation on uh, polluting uh, through these pig farms into the air and the water has also been loosened. So uh, if there is sickness there, congratulations, it's in your local air and water as well. Uh, so now, finally, Andrew, I, I want to find out what happened to the activists and to the piglet. So let's start with the activists. You named some of their names. So what wound up happening to them? Well, so Smithfield Foods didn't actually find out about this raid until afterward, and only when I notified them uh, and asked them for comment. Uh, and this piece came out about uh, maybe two weeks ago, and that was the first time they had details about this uh, sort of operation. So up to now, I don't know what's been going on, but in the past, uh, Smithfield Food has moved to prosecute uh, people involved in these uh, sort of incursions. Um, and two of the activists who were involved in a, a previous raid in Utah are facing felony charges. Uh, they're on trial right now and they're facing um, serious jail time. So I think it's safe to say that Smithfield uh, will try to prosecute. They believe that it's you know important to sort of teach a lesson and send the message that this kind of behavior is not acceptable. So I have not heard anything yet, but I think uh, the, the, the activists involved are a bit worried that something is gonna happen. Um, as for the pig, uh, a little happier ending, uh, they named that pig Lori because it's from Laurenburg, North Carolina. That's where the pig was raised. And they brought that pig to a uh, animal sanctuary uh, somewhere in the South. They're not saying where, because in previous case, uh, the FBI got involved and the FBI agents actually went to an animal sanctuary and took, um, basically cut off ear samples from pigs there to try to determine which of the pigs that were stolen 
uh, or rescued, depending on your point of view. Uh, so I think there is some real concern that if they revealed where Lori is living, that um, law enforcement authorities might try to come and snatch her away. Yeah, well, that's nice and gratuitous. Uh, you know, try to imprison anyone uh, trying to protect not only the animals, but actually more important. Well, depending on your point of view, but in my point of view, more importantly, the humans, uh, because of the spread of disease that they're basically hiding, uh, must be punished. And and if uh, but I but the gratuitously finding the pig and killing it, well, that's just special. Uh, <laughs> so, real humanitarians these folks are. Uh, anyways, read the article for yourselves, guys. Learn more. It'll be in the link down below if you're watching later on YouTube or Facebook called Stealing Lori. Andrew Jacobs is the reporter. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Okay, uh, when we come back, uh, Brooke and I, uh, in the last half hour of the Young Turks, we're going to do a post game for the members as we always do. TYT.com slash join. We need you guys. Uh, we, if in order to exist as independent media, we cannot do it without you, and we try to give you more, including behind the scenes and the post game. So for all you members, come right back. We'll talk to you then.